0: Hello and welcome to How to Save the World podcast. I'm Waveney. I'm Tim and we've got a special uh, political guest, I guess it'd be the descriptor today, Luke Weijon, 18 year old, who is running for the Green Party in Jacinda Ardern's electorate of Mount Albert, which I used to be in. Am I in it now? I think you're I got reason, I am in it. Yeah, you're yeah in I used it. to be Auckland Central and they resigned it. It's yeah. good that
1: you know that. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I should that have done that That was the first that.
2: test <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right Yeah, they clumped all of us lefties together to make sure Nikki Kay could win Central Gotcha but We'll take it back from her
0: I see yeah. <laughs> Well, I like that fighting spirit, nice and early um, So Luke, uh, welcome to the show, first off mm, thank, thank you so you. much for taking the time to come and join us in the studio today and you, you're a real interesting cat. You're, you're, you're <laughs> a, you've got to be one of the youngest people ever to run at the national level, I would have thought, because you've only recently turned 18.
1: Yeah. Um, and you're youngest on our podcast. <laughs> more
2: importantly. Yeah, more yeah, importantly. That's a
1: real milestone.
2: <laughs> I'm going to chuck that as my Twitter bio. My <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the Green Party has a few 18-year-olds running this time. Someone to look out for is the amazing Lord Wano. Who alongside me, was one of the leaders of the School Strike for Climate and was incredibly important in decolonizing that space to make sure it is open for everyone, no matter your race, your um, a, how able you are no matter how you know what, where you live in the city. She really was a key part alongside others um, in opening that up.
0: What's her name again? Sorry. Lordez Vano. Lordez Vano. Brilliant. Because yeah. we,
2: we had Sophie
1: Hanford on the show. Yeah, uh, she said uh, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. And it just, uh, I said it then, I'll say it again. I'm so impressed with you guys. <laughs> like if I can lump you as a category of person. Mm. Like uh, young people that are out of the ballpark in terms of you are committed, you're intelligent, you are actually making a difference. Um, you're not, you don't seem like you're waiting for anything.
2: Mm. Well, we you just were don't seven, have any time No,
1: exactly. I, I think that's what's <laughs> like, coming through. Eh, you were seventeen when you said, "Yeah, sure, I'll go up against Jacinda Ardern."
2: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's been a bit of a path, eh? Like, um, we started. I started the school strikes in Auckland last year, um, which ended up getting eighty thousand people out in the street, which is the biggest single protest in New Zealand history. Amazing. So you and were then, one of
0: the coor- original coordinators of that.
2: Yeah. So me and a mate who ended up dropping back for other reasons. Um, so I was Chloe Swarbrick's youth MP and she was Julianne Genter's youth MP. And, um, we were like these, once we saw the actual politicians and had conversations with them, we were like, holy heck, they just don't get it. Do they? Um, wow wow. And we...
0: Youth parliament used to be so inconsequential I can't believe it's actually birthing MPs now I did it when I was Did you? 17 or 16 it's, Yeah I was in the press it's gallery a for... it's, it's a It's so a weird odd. place Yeah
2: But it's like uh, A lot of my criticisms of youth parliament I realised were actually criticisms of actual parliament And then it's like Oh <laughs> damn Oh <laughs> damn <laughs> <laughs> just our political yeah. system Um. Yeah like, just the whole colonist Westminster system that um, holds all sorts of issues. Not a sustainable system, basically. Um and yeah, and then I realized that actually the problems I had with the people at youth parliament and the uh, system at youth parliament was actually amplified by real parliament. And I still want to get in there because when something's wrong, we've got to fix it.
0: Nice one, dude. Yeah. And I, so you've mentioned decolonization a couple of times already. And I know that your two big issues are... Um, if I may put words in your mouth, income inequality and environmental issues as well. Yeah, I and would. You're proudly a, a two member as well. So th- these things all sort of mm. seem to interact together for yeah. you. Yeah,
2: I guess um, equality and climate action basically lump- lumps in a whole bunch of things because, um, of course, we can't have one without the other. And when you're talking about equality, it branches off into that. People are respected, that um, as a nation we feed our hungry, we house our cold, um, that a Māori and a Pākehā can stand as equals, that a young person, an old person can stand as equals because there's lots of people and politicians today who like to cut the country up. They like to say there's a huge rural-urban divide. They like to say that climate activists aren't protesting them and their inaction and their failings, but climate activists are protesting old people. Mm-hmm. And You've
1: heard that said.
2: Oh yes, 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 right, yes, yes. Right, um, the we have. Well, you live rurally yourself. I but do. We have farmers who, on the bulk, live paycheck to paycheck, are forced by companies like Fonterra to do incredibly unsustainable practices. Um, we know that mental health is a huge issue for our farming community. And then politicians like to say, Oh, all those kids, they're protesting you. So of course, when you hear
1: that
2: these, you know, youngins are trying to have a go at you on top of everything else, it's Mm -hmm. like, of course, that's something that's scary to you. Um, but yeah, it's, I feel like that's why it's so important that we have kids in the cities calling out the politicians who have screwed up our cities um, and have made them unsustainable whether that's through transport through our waste through everything and then we have kids rurally who call out those politicians for creating this dirty farming that f- on top of stolen land
0: and obviously you'll be able to speak to the environment from which you come and the context that you've Grown up in and been around your whole time as well. So it's not like you can grow up in central Auckland and be like, oh, nah, those guys in Waikato, they're shit.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so you, exactly. They'll it's, go, you
0: don't know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, something just on the school strikes. I feel like it's incredibly powerful having everyone on the same day being able to say we had 170,000 or more kids in New Zealand and millions around the world on the same day standing up for this. But at the same time, it kind of inevitably in the way our media works means that cities like Auckland and Wellington get more attention Mm. because you have, you know, you have your videos and photos of 40,000 kids outside parliament. You've got um, kids from K road to Britomart just jamming up all of Auckland city. And it's like, of course that gets the photo. And what gets missed out is that actually small towns that got 50 kids out have a much higher portion of that town there and is a much bigger achievement Um, and I feel like having it all on the same day, maybe isn't the best route for making sure everyone's voices get heard. So it'll be very interesting with coronavirus, um, um, how the school strike movement does respond to that, um, and how they make sure that everyone's voices can be heard. So there was like talk of rolling strikes where they'll start at the top of the country, move to the bottom. So when it's in Auckland, they'll be talking about more like the, 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 Our second biggest emitter, which is transport and how years and years of politicians have decided that basically we will be a country that sits in traffic for a huge portion of our lives, that our cities will be designed around cars, not around people and not around communities. Um, And then you'll have rural areas to be able to call out our most emitting sector, which is agriculture. And I, I feel like that's a better way to do it, but we'll have to see how we do that online now, probably.
1: And then how is it affecting campaigning as well?
2: Oh, it's crazy.
1: Because I, I, I read that you really do enjoy that process, that physical process mm. of walking the streets, knocking on the doors.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I've been campaigning for the Green Party. Well, my, one of my earliest memories has been in the push chair with um, pamphlets on top of the push chair. Hang on, you can remember my, that. Yeah, like it's memory. Were you how old I was were you? Probably about four, five, yeah. three, maybe. Yeah. yeah, one of like literally one of my earliest memories is my mum putting probably Russell Norman's face in the <laughs> um, maybe <laughs> yeah, into be right, yeah. a letterbox. Um, at that time, and um, then from there, I it's shifted from me pulling them from them pulling me, pushing me along, literally. Um, to things from me dragging them in. Um, Can you speak
0: to that a bit? Because that's been an interesting thing that younger people have been accused of for time immemorial, but particularly Mm. at the moment who are getting politically active. Um, Greta Thunberg is a good example of this, where Mm. there's some pretty cynical older people who say, oh, you've been brainwashed by your parents or um, older people around you. Uh, do, Do you feel like you have inherited all of your views from your folks?
2: Um, not all of them. There are definitely colorful, um, dinner table discussions, (laughs) (laughs) but my parents, I am incredibly lucky that they loved me unconditionally and that uh, there was never the expectation that we would do. All the things that me and my siblings do. So my brother's a professional athlete. Um, he's used to sail around the world before coronavirus happened. Um, and my sister's amazing, but she's like twelve, I think. Um, and <laughs> no so, career yet. Yeah, um, but they've. Although um, I'm incredibly proud of the things me and my siblings have achieved, there was never a pressure for us to do anything. They basically said that their approaches. A full fridge and neglect um, <laughs> I like that and, as, as, as
0: a middle child of four kids I can relate to that Yeah <laughs> and as long as we were parenting
2: <laughs> Yeah yeah exactly As long as we were like Good people that were kind To others and ourselves Then they were happy with whatever grades we got with whatever attendance. So my attendance last year was like 32% and they kind of figured I was doing other things. So that's fine. Um, Can I, okay, let's, <laughs> let's
1: not skip over that. The 30, 32% attendance. And my understanding is that you've, you have also turned down a scholarship to Victoria University.
2: Yeah. So I got 32% attendance, but I basically, um, I really grinded in year 12 because that's the one for, if any young mm. people yeah. listening, Worked real hard in year 12 And not the other years Because um, year 12 was the year That universities look at When they're dishing out scholarships And then I, I had my eyes set on one And I said What are the minimum requirements For um, year 13 um, oh, yeah. yeah To keep the scholarship If I get it And it was a merit endorsement Which is 51, 50 ex- merit credits So I was like Okay I think I got 52 in the end." <laughs> nice um, And then like it was probably an attendance uh, requirement of about 30%. Skated so <laughs> yes. just 30%. above that. So yeah, <laughs> just literally by the hair on my chin getting everything in. But what yeah, was the scholarship
0: um, that Victoria offered you?
2: Uh, the Kahotea Scholarship. So that's their 30K, three years, um, uh, like all halls paid for, wow. fees paid for. I didn't like get rid of it entirely, Um, mm-hmm. so I deferred it for a year. I okay. see. So it's so an option
1: sitting there if... For- yeah, so you don't, beat if, Jacinda.
2: <laughs> That's another thing we need to get to um, <laughs> later. But no, so yeah, if I become an MP this year, um, then I will probably have to turn down that scholarship. And if I don't, then I'll take that scholarship. Yeah.
1: What was the selection process for the – you don't just get to go, hey, I'd like to be a candidate. What mm. was the selection process? For that? As far as you know, how, why was it that the Greens said, yep, yeah, well, let's – Take the 17-year-old on.
2: <laughs> um, well, I was actually asked by Labor and by um, Top, probably, if there's still a thing, um, and, by <laughs> and by the Greens. Um, yeah, and I think Na- National's taken on an 18-year-old as well. So it wasn't like, uh, at that point, it wasn't the Greens being as radical as uh, a lot of people think they are. Um, but, yeah, I just signed up like anyone else and was like, yeah, I want to, there was, you have to be a member, um, but not even for that long. Um, I don't think there is a requirement for how long you have to be a member. I have been a member for years. Um, and then when it came out that they were looking for candidates to join the pool, I was like, hell yeah. Um, and just went through all that process is like an interview. There's, um, you submit your photo and your bio and then you go down to a candidate conference where, um, it's basically if you've seen a beauty pageant, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: We were going to get back to the versus Jacinda, bit.
2: yes, we were. Um, so yeah, I get a lot of that normally from international media that don't understand MMP. So, um, as you guys know, we get two votes in this country, one for the person you want to represent your community, yes, which, uh, the labor candidate looks quite strong in this community. <laughs> um, and then you Get the most the most important vote though is your party vote because um unlike countries like America we're not electing a president here we're deciding what is the percentage makeup of our house what parties what ideologies do we want to have strength for the next 3 years um, so that's why I'm going for the party vote only so where are you on the list uh list hasn't been announced yet uh, okay so when does we'll that come out down? Um, later yeah not sure there'll there'll be an initial list um which is done by some delegates um and then there'll be a then it ultimately comes down to the membership and is pure democracy so if any green party members are listening i'm looking for top 10 eh? it's (laughs)
0: hugely contentious isn't it the um the party lists that come out and it's really you know hard fought Within the party to try and try and get up the ranks for the reason you just described, because it can determine whether or not you're going to get into parliament. Yeah, like, you as an in, you as an individual, mm, um, yes politician. and no.
2: I there is a bit of that, but it kind of at the same time, the candidates are the only other people who know what you're going through, um, and 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 most of our cases are our best mates. So Lord Des is a real close mate of mine, um, and we've been mates for longer than we've been candidates Steve Abel is like mm. who's announced he is a living legend and um to be able to work alongside him is just a dream in itself um and then Julianne Genter was one of the reasons and ways I got involved in the Green Party Chloe Swarbrick's been an amazing mentor Madam Davidson has been handing me a megaphone since I was like 12 it's like how did that feel Huh?
1: How did that feel, to have the megaphone in your hand at 12?
2: Oh, yeah. So at a TPPA protest, Marama basically saw a kid that... We, I think we were family friends or my parents knew her or something. And I'm not sure if she was even a, into a, at politics at that point or if she was just a hardcore activist. that She still is. Um, and she basically saw a kid with too big a mouth um and (laughs) handed me the megaphone
0: you know what this kid needs (laughs) a bigger mouth
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah the the green approach
0: (laughs) (laughs) well you're quite big on that obviously because you you um mentioned that before we started recording that you've got a real um desire to be talking about ideas rather than people it sounds like
2: oh yeah so that comes back to also my criticisms of youth parliament and real parliament um And this is pretty international that movements are behind faces and names. So you've got Greta for the school strike movement, and that's millions and millions of people who can show up in person and people who support who can't show up. And it's all behind a face and a name. You've got the Bernie Sanders movement. And unlike other, and unlike Joe Biden, which is, you know, a person backed by billionaires to do to for them to become president is what he's trying to do but um joe bernie sanders is a movement you know and i haven't got a solution to this but i I i'll also say as a
0: american political junkie this has been recorded i'm gonna anticipate probably moments before bernie sanders has announced that he's dropped he hasn't dropped out yet but it's probably quite soon
2: (laughs) you reckon yeah. yeah Um, Sorry, bummed you. Out. <laughs> so your yeah, face so dropped to the ground. It's, it's weird to um, record things, yeah, of, yeah, uh, ha- yeah, yeah, so Time, got no time. Uh, but what distortion. I'm saying is, um, that's he's just an example. We don't need to dwell on, mm. but um, that I dislike how movements of people, uh, yeah, whole movements need representation with a face and a name under the current system. Um, of parliament that you have a candidate running when actually the candidate is a small cog and a huge team of volunteer coordinators, of campaign managers, of, um, you know, they do the fun stuff. We get to talk to nice people on podcasts. Whereas, um, (laughs) yeah, there are people putting in the hours behind that. And it's like... These are your
0: policy advisors, the activists on the ground who are pushing things forward. So
2: to talk about yourself and to talk about people and brands and names is kind of missing the point. And it's what actually it is, is ideas and it's getting people and movements around our values and our ideas and what we, we being everyone, want New Zealand to look like.
1: If you could get one change out of your involvement in
2: campaigning Mm. and being Mm. involved with the Green Party, Mm. is there
1: something that really instantly comes to mind?
2: Um, Everyone voting. So today well last yeah today's government is put in power by about 50% of new zealanders um so it doesn't actually ha- it doesn't have the mandate of the people and those 50% of people are the oldest the whitest the you know the people who are most benefiting from the current system are the ones who reempower that system the housing crisis at the moment is not going to be solved by all of the people who benefit from the housing crisis. Only our generation who, you know, look up and see that we actually won't be able to afford a home and won't be able to have a lot of the things that our parents had. We are the ones who are going to be able to change it. The current government and governments of the past have been borrowing from the future. Yes. And we're seeing that in climate change. We're seeing that in a housing crisis. We're seeing that in inequality. And the only way we're going to stop it is by everyone voting. So if I could get one change, like, definitely I want people to vote green. Of course I want people to vote green. But if you're not going to vote green, at least bloody vote.
0: You're uniquely placed being 18 years old yourself, mm. um, out of high as of last year, but also being obviously well running mm. as a politician this year um, to try and get into parliament. So, I imagine there's a little bit of a phenomenon that you've got a bubble of your friends in a circle who are quite politically minded, but you're also an eighteen year old dude who I'm sure has a lot of different kinds of friends mm. so, what do you think is the big challenge to getting youth out to vote because this is not a new problem or a mm. problem unique to New Zealand like yeah. why is it that young people don't vote
2: um it's I think it's because it's there's a bunch of reasons it's because the Current governments and past governments have not been there for young people. So you, don't, you think if there's this whole machine that turns against your interests, what am me, my one person, going to be able to do? What's my one vote going to be able to do? But the thing is you're not one vote. You know, we saw that with the school strikes. You're a group of people. You're, we're a movement, and that can make change. So it isn't about you. It isn't about me. It's about all of us. And maybe one person walking down Queen Street yelling about climate change wouldn't have changed anything. But when we organize, when we unite together, 80,000 people doing it does. And maybe one person won't flip the entire election. But 80,000 people is hugely significant. And if you don't want to vote because you don't think that you're going to make a change and your mates don't want to vote because they don't think they're going to make a change, you know, we've got... Literally millions of people sitting at home thinking that their one vote isn't going to change anything. Oh, it's is such it? an irony, completely isn't it? It's irony such an it. irony. Yeah, but that's just part of the. That's just one part of the problem. The other part now. There's two more I'll get to, which is the media and also the labor and um, national government, mainly national. But um, sorry, parties, not government. Always. Um, and when it comes to labor and national, they're completely complicit in people not understanding how our system works and in people not voting. How, if, how so? If you're put in power by low voter turnout, you're not going to want to increase voter turnout. If you're put in power by people not understanding MMP and thinking we're still in this two-horse first-past-the-post race, you're not going to want people to understand that. You get, um, like, I had a Labour person come to my door and basically say a Labor, a party vote Labour is the only way to get Jacinda as Prime Minister. And I was like, sorry, can you can you explain that one more time? The only... So none of the coalition partners put her as Prime And I basically asked them, well, does the Green, and they um, clearly didn't know that I was pretty political and um, a outlier in that sense, but uh, and asked, well, would a party vote Green put her as Prime Minister? And they were like, no, 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 no. And they're completely complicit in trying to push this, and it's lying, it's literally lying to keep your population not understanding how the system works so that they continue to vote the same ways they've always voted. And it's like actually if we taught it in school that we have an MMP system, we that a party vote green also puts Jacinda as Prime Minister but with stronger MPs behind her to push her to be better on inequality and on climate change. Um, if we Lower the voting age so that everyone is casting their first vote at school. Not at 18 when they've left school. They've maybe gone to a different city for university. They're not sure where they're enrolled, if they're enrolled. If we make it so that everyone casts their first vote, which is the most important vote, um, say on a Wednesday, a public holiday, they go into school like they always do with their mates, they cast their vote, and then they go over the rest of the day off.
1: That is if, a really good idea. Yeah, and if why that's not? how
2: we do it, yeah. then, um, then we are going to see – 90 to 100% voter turnout of that generation who's just making their first vote in school. But the evidence says that when you cast your first vote, you continue to vote for the rest of your life. So that's why
1: your first vote's the most important. That's why your
2: first vote's the most important. That's why if we do that once, you know, we will create a wave of voter turnout and we will have a country growing up with my generation that actually has a parliament a house of representatives that is truly representative of the people that is how we fight inequality that is how we fight racism that is how we fight um, climate change not with the richest people not with the people who benefit from the system continuing that system
0: is there any uh, official party platform around that or policy around introducing civics or education about our political system into high schools?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, everything I've spoken of right now, luckily, is Green Party policy. And the more I... Basically, when I was deciding to become a candidate um, for the Green Party, I knew my values aligned with the Green Party, but reading all of their policy and just everything made so much sense um, and everything aligned so clearly with my own views, it was insane. And the small parts that didn't align... I knew the party had such a strong and a democracy that I knew that goes from the bottom, from the grassroots. I knew that I could actually get in there and change parts of the party, um, which you just don't see in labor or national. They're so top down, you know, there's so much power held in those com- in those parties by one person mm, sitting mm-hmm. at the leadership seat. And it's like, I'm so happy to be in the green party where we're accountable to the members and where the members make the final decision on the, on the list ranking, make final decisions on policy on all of that. It's, it's the way to do it.
0: And so what's your beef with the media, Luke?
2: Oh yes. So the third part, um, <laughs> yeah you guys <laughs> <laughs> we're, not
0: the me- we're new media mate yeah, we're cool yeah, yeah. we're the cool <laughs> kids
2: no 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 so I was saying there's three parts involved in um, why young people don't vote that question you asked um, and this is why I love podcasts because we can actually answer questions in yes, parts yes, and talk over everything but um, it's the system not working for you so why would you vote and you're not thinking that your one would um that you alone would do anything. but And it's understanding that we are a movement, we are not individuals, but the current system likes to push this individualism on us. Then it's parties who are completely complicit in it and want to further that. The third one is that for a good story, for a soundbite, media run the story like it is a two-horse race. You know, every election year, we have a leader's debate between whoever's leading Labour and whoever's leading National and to anyone who's been following American uh, American politics, anyone who's been following any country that elects a president, it looks like we're doing the exact same thing. We're not. And to have a leaders debate without every other leader of all the other parties you can vote for that also have equal, if not more, strength um, per vote in parliament is just – it's uh, – Misleading. It's misleading. Well,
1: and when we've seen in the last few years coalition, well, any coalition government, and you see how much, like you say, arguably more power those small the parties have. How much power
2: <laughs> does Winston have? Well, exactly. Yeah, he decided proportional. Who our Prime yeah, was. proportionate nothing,
1: to who. I mean, it's bizarre how often you know the old kingmakers come through and and yeah, decided how it's going to be.
2: Decided by the government without. Winston Peters for Mutimer and James Shaw. Yeah, and so pre-election, the, you're
1: saying this guy's not even necessarily on the stage because it's we're painting a story that it's, yeah, oh, it's not so important. Exactly, it's a story,
2: mm. and it's not just the leaders' debate. It's everything. It's when the election is announced, you have Jacinda saying, "Here's the election," and Simon Bridges saying, "We're gonna win," and it's like, sweet, <laughs> there's our story. It's simple. It, a six-year-old could understand it, and it's like. I get why that is, but we need to come past that. We need a new media um, where people can actually understand and dissect the system um, that we, basically the media is still living in the first past the post uh, age. And cause it's just a simpler story. And that's dangerous to people trying to understand yourself. Cause look, if you're trying to understand how our country works, everything is stacked against you. There's no civics education. The, the two major parties who you hear from through the media don't want you to know, and it doesn't benefit the media to actually inform you. And then those politicians like to use longer than, you, than normal words and like to use an absurd amount of acronyms to make people feel like politics isn't for them, to, make, to push away the people who don't vote, to keep them away. And when you don't vote, you have the disproportionate effect of reaffirming their power. And that's what they want. That's why they pretend politics is high and mighty. That's why they pretend you need a degree to understand it. You don't. All you need to do is care about things, whether that's your family, your planet, whether that's uh, that people in this country, while we are in the most, you know, well, until recently, we're in the most profitable, productive time, yet we're working longer hours and our rents are higher and our pays lower. If, you care about these things. You're political. If you like your air fresh, your water clean, if you you know, want every aspect of your life, the quality, the quantity, the accessibility is all decided by political decisions. That is scary, but it also is empowering because we can change the system. We can change politics and we can make it work for us instead of us working for it. Speaking
0: of changing things, Hell yeah. <laughs> tell me a little bit about your vision specifically for the environment and mm. sustainability that you would like to see New Zealand go in. Mm. Um, and also sort of the second part of this question is like, realistically, what do you think we can achieve in the next little while mm. if the right things happen?
2: Yeah. So the IPCC, um, for those who, I just talked about politicians using acronyms. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to pull you <laughs> yeah. up on it. <laughs> yeah. So um, all of the coolest scientists around the world got together and said, not we're going to make science, but what is the best, most solid science out there? How do we put that all together to have the final, undebatable, updated knowledge today of climate change? And that says that we need to cut our emissions by 50%. In the next ten years, and we need to go net zero by twenty forty, um, which is not the current plan really, mm. um, or the
1: current trajectory. Yeah.
2: And then also on top of that, we are a modern, uh, rich, first world country, so if we expect this from other countries, we should actually be doing more because we can. Um, so then the dr- that's that's a like scientific detailed breakdown of you know what is actually needed. But the vision is very different. The vision is that our farmers can farm for hundreds of years and know that that will be, always be there, that we can always have a fair relationship with Mother Earth, with Papa Tuanaku and us. Our The vision is that people are not sitting in traffic for hours of their life, for, you know, by the end of your life, probably years of your life sitting in traffic, that instead... We can have community gardens where intersections used to be, that light rail can quietly arrive every couple minutes. Kids can laugh as they bike to school on a separated cycle path without a fear in their gut of that climate anxiety. It's like we can definitely create a better New Zealand that works for us, that is designed around us, that is designed around people and the community, not cars and growth, 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 growth.
1: It does seem like a win-win to me. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, that's yeah. why I'm here. It's, <laughs> it's like it's the, if we don't do anything, like we've already got mm. these, well, we've got the advances and we've got the great stuff in terms of the direction we've been heading down for the last 10,000-odd years. Mm. But, there's, but these are the unintended consequences of this direction we've been heading in, which is, is now really starting to – Balloon on us And mm. really fast You know We're, 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 we're saying now it's, We're the first generation That knows into, That we are ruining the planet Yeah
2: Because that, we're that also the Had hidden yeah, By uh, oiling companies well, yeah. but, but I
1: mean even, even There's only one generation Ago anyway Like if you take it back To the 70s mm. But it's like This is just It's just happened so fast And we're ready now For these new stories mm. And we're ready now It's like we're to Turn it around And not just focus on Looking at what's happening if we keep going down the same path mm. because we can already see that there are I mean yep, sure there's some great stuff, but yes there's some issues and those issues are really things that are compounding and we need to pay attention to and so mm. I like I really like what you're saying, Luke around' it's, it's, forget about all of that we know that it's there. What we really need to go focus on is is, is a this better is world, better world a really better world, yeah. not just because we need to in terms of climate change, but because actually we want to, because yeah. we're we're sick of a few things that we don't like about the way we're doing mm. stuff. Like a loneliness would be a, a, an example. You know, the it's a bizarre sort of a little outworking of our current state, I guess, mm. uh, whether it's the economy or the technology or just a whole bunch of things that have come together to create a huge amount of loneliness and then even anxiety that we have yeah, yeah. for all sorts and of reasons. Yeah, um, well, but it just so happens that the mm. solutions for climate change fix a whole bunch of stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we destroy our renters' rights. We destroy our workers' rights. We create a gig economy where... Which in reality means you're moving houses a few times a year, maybe once a year. You're moving your jobs all the time. You don't know your coworkers. You don't know your neighbors. You can't organize. That is what creates it. And as we see that everything is connected, that means we can actually fix it together. And um, I completely agree with the stuff you said about as a whole, our generation just being the first to be completely aware of this. Because, I mean, a few years ago, before this huge uprising in climate activism, um, Greenpeace, who are awesome, ha- would would have to talk about oil spills and would have to talk about oil on top of penguins and fish and stuff like that. Was the sad thing because they weren't able to address the fact that actually burning oil is worse. Yeah. um, and because you need that image, right?
0: That's what people yeah. operate on. And
2: people would laugh if you said climate change. And then now contrast that today, where seven out of ten people feel personally threatened by climate change. Um, but so as a whole, we've gone hu- We've our population has made huge strides culturally, and where we're lacking is in our laws, is in our legislation, and we need to be pushing that to be where you know our country would be catch up, comfortable. Yeah, catch catch up. it's, it's up. always a lag, yeah. eh? and that's, yeah. I feel like that's also, the space. There's we're often in. a lag. Like in ninety nine percent of the cases, there's a lag. Then you get some amazing people like uh, Sue Bradford, Catherine Dallahunty, who actually use their power as politicians to go for something better and further than the population is even ready for. Nice. If you think about all of our biggest achievements, um, it's activists inside or outside of the house um, pushing the country to be further than it's ready for yet and winning. So Kate Shepard, um, that completely divided the house and won and mm-hmm good Um, (laughs) but yeah there are people although the population has just caught up in terms of climate change now there are people who have been knowing who've known this forever and Jeanette Fitzsimons is one that comes to mind she um, just passed Mm. and was a huge mentor and she knew from day one that the system of infinite material growth on a materially finite planet wouldn't work our indigenous Maori we knew that we need to be in balance with nature to have a truly sustainable system. Like it isn't exactly rocket science to think that founding a city off of, uh, sorry, founding a nation off of murder, colonization, stealing land, and then exploiting all of those people and then exploiting all of, you know, bringing people from colonized people from Ireland and from Scotland to New Zealand and telling them that they're, better than Māori, so don't think about the people above you and keep working your shit hours and your shit pay and your shit jobs and then treating Māori even worse with often forced labour. It's like, of course building a society like this wasn't going to turn out well and exploiting all of your people and exploiting the whole planet was not going to work well. And it's just taken a while for people to click that actually it affects them too, this whole entire system of it.
0: You're in a very holistic way of looking at all these things, Luke. You've got to. Yeah, I think you're (laughs) right. I think you're right. It's all um, uh, pieces of a greater whole.
2: Yeah, but the lucky thing is that um, a lot of the things that fix one issue, because it is holistic, fix lots. So if you think free public transport, that fights poverty. That means that I was um, hearing from a guy on the benefit who basically said, well, wow. he, he cried when he heard that he got twenty the $25 extra thing because he's like, now I'll be able to afford enough gas to go see my parents. I've been missing them and I haven't been able to afford to see them. Um, and it's like free public transport fights poverty and climate change. Mm-hmm. Building climate safe state houses, shifting our housing blocks into ones that are climate safe and building state houses. Fights poverty and climate change. Um, community gardens fights poverty, the ecological crisis, the climate crisis, and um, climate change. Mm. And yeah,
1: food nutrition.
2: Yeah, all all just of a whole that. bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's the, that's the good thing about it being holistic. Is you that you also you can fight it all.
1: Sorry, you also um, lobbied the government uh, when the zero carbon bill. Mm. Was going through. Do you want to talk a bit about that? And because I don't, I don't know as much about that, Bill, as I would like to. Um, you, yeah, what are your thoughts on how it landed and
2: what uh. it needs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Were
0: you part of Generation Zero? Uh,
2: no, I left Generation Zero because I had some. Um, well, not left. I never really joined. I, I I have lots of good mates in Generation Zero, but I disagree with their theory of change. So that's just not going to be a compatible fit for me. Um, and also as a, well, I don't have time now. And when I was at school and I did have time, it wasn't really, it was more of a university kids thing than a school age. I, there was literally not really any space for school age kids until we started the school strike movement. And that's why I think it's so important. We keep it a school age thing. Cause that's something in Auckland that is very unique, um, to Auckland. Um, and a few other towns in New Zealand, but most of the school strikes around the world are run by adults or university students. Um, hmm. But it was that's why I have left now that I've left school. Because it's like, this isn't my space. Hmm. We invented the space for school kids to be able to have a say and have a place to exist among other people who think like them. Um, Sophie
0: Hanford said a very similar thing when we had her on as well. Oh, one cool. Of the coordinators yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, so back to the uh, um, yeah the zero climate the question, bill. The zero, carbon no, zero carbon bill um yeah, so it's a lot weaker than everyone who fought for it would have wanted um and that's because as we said, we need to get NZ first to sign up for anything um and i don't the fact that national also got on board. Was, in result, was a result of the school strike for climate. That's what they've said, is because of that pressure, because of the shift in the populace, it um, means that they got on board. And that has been awesome for people wanting to invest in green business. Um, so whatever your take is on that. Um, I Which means that... It, it, that was that was good to be able to make sure everyone was united because people are looking at markets all over the world and they're going eh, America Trump and you know if Boris Johnson Scott Morrison that when people set up green businesses they could with the switch of a government be completely screwed over we know in New Zealand that with the National Party backing the zero carbon bill that green business is safe huh. But um, which is the advantage of having them on board. And we had to weaken it for NZ first anyway, so may as well um, get them on board. You know? And if there's one um, thing
0: business doesn't like, it's a lack of security about which what's going to Which is why we
2: happen. bail them out whenever the stock market crashes because <sighs> yeah. they can make then as risky decisions as they'd like and the, na- the taxpayer will always be there to pay their bonuses. Um, <laughs> the theory of change difference I had with Gen Z and the zero carbon bill was... What we were talking about earlier, about polarisation um, before you unite the country around a good progressive idea. And we've seen that with nuclear free, we've seen that with giving women the vote, um, and then somehow with abortion still today. Um, but yeah, I think that we should push for the strongest possible bill that we can just get over the line and then when national becomes, then they can cry about it all they like and say that they're going to gut it when they get in. But when national does get in, in three, six or nine years time, climate change will inevitably have continued even more. Cause yes. even if we go yeah. zero today or backwards today, there's still so much stuck in the atmosphere that it will have progressed. We will have had more fires, floods, um, extreme weather events. The sky will have gone red even more. And there's no way that they're going to be able to reel back climate action nine years from now. I think we need to go as hard as we can, as fast as we can. But ultimately, that isn't a problem of I, – I think the zero carbon bill is as strong as it could be um, when you're in government with New Zealand first. Um, so, of course, that's the only feasible approach is to then get everyone on board yeah. for the market reasons that is also – you know. That's also good. But ideally, you'd have a Labour-Green government with the Greens pushing Labour to do the strongest possible climate action that we can. I mean, David Attenborough says we cannot be radical enough. So really, that is where your party vote green is the most effective use of your vote. Because then, with enough party votes green, we can have a Labour-Green government and we can have the Greens pushing them to go further and faster on all of the things they say they'd like to do.
0: Feels like a pretty good specific note to end the conversation on. Um, Is there anything else that you want to put out there, Luke? We've covered quite a lot of ground in this conversation.
2: Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. You know, I feel for the farmers. I feel for the people working in um, oil. And it's like we need to increase benefits. We need to provide a support, a safety net for everyone to be able to move out of industries that are hurting our country and into, and into green ones. These industries are dying and we are the only ones with the plan to move them into ways where we can empower all of the people and the planet.
0: Mm. Well, whether you wholeheartedly agree with what Luke has been saying in this episode or you disagree, if you go to vote.nz, you can check your... Um, mm. Sign ups that your electoral status—is that what it's called? Your electoral, your voting status. Uh, Check that they've got the right address for you.
2: Yeah, that you're registered to vote. That's um, it. Your registration,
0: yeah. and um, and make but sure you, you do also, that as early as possible.
2: Thank you to the Green Party. You can you can enrol on election day.
0: Oh yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. That's a brand new thing, huh? Yeah.
2: Well, we're just trying to remove all the barriers to mm. get people enrolled and to get people voting. Um, so ideally, we just get rid of enrolment. At all, and have everyone automatically enrolled.
0: Well, if you, uh, yeah, go <laughs> early, check now because um, we do have same day enrollment now, which is fantastic, but you don't but, want to rely on it because it's a new system and yeah, yeah. who knows enrol how it will go in its and first year. Vote yeah and get everyone else to as well it's so easy vote.nz you can just you put your full name in there and your address check that your registration is up to date and then you'll get all your voting papers and everything will be super easy for you yeah. Luke's social details are in the show notes um, of this episode thank you so much for listening Luke Weejohn, who is running for the Greens this year against uh, well our Ardern's electorate thank mm. you so much for joining us and having thank a chat to us
1: thank you
2: thanks for having me on